0: You're listening to a VC Short. These are shorter, bonus episodes released only on our podcast, The VC Hour. These are a product of Radio ABC 993 FM, a ministry of African Bible University in Uganda. Every once in a while, I get asked questions by listeners, and it is a real joy, honestly. Absolute pleasure. To try to answer some of those questions, get back to you. And I would just say, if you ever have a question based on something I've said or that you've seen written somewhere, or just in general, feel free to reach out to me. You, of course, can contact me by email, vchaurofficial at gmail.com, or you can reach me on the socials under VCHour. I'm there. I'd be happy to talk to you, happy to answer questions, and I do that on a regular basis. I was recently asked by a listener how I could say on a recent episode of the show V.C. Hour that Melchizedek had parents. Now, if you missed that episode, you want to go back. I've got a couple episodes, one on Melchizedek as a B-list Bible character, but also uh, how Jesus is a priest and how Jesus is a king. Both include Melchizedek as well. And in that episode, I said that Melchizedek had parents. And the listener wanted to know how I could say that when Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3 says this It says, Melchizedek is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of Man, he continues a priest forever. This is a great question because really the listener is trying to hold me accountable. To explain what is it that I'm teaching according to God's word, I have invited listeners many, many times to do exactly what this listener is doing, and I, I want you to read for yourself exactly what it is that God's word says. And sometimes that's going to generate these types of questions. Let me just begin by saying that I believe in a great many incredible things. My problem with uh, the interpretation that Melchizedek or Melchizedek doesn't have parents, uh, as it seems like Hebrews 7-3 is saying, my problem isn't that it's too impossible for me to believe. That's not the issue. I believe, for instance, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we learn that God was able to make the head of an axe float on the top of the water. I believe that God was able to lengthen the span of a day. In Joshua chapter 10, I believe the people of Israel crossed an actual sea on the dry land, so it was where water had been just a few moments before that. It was divided, and they walked straight across it, just like it describes in the book of Exodus. I believe the prophet Elijah was caught up in a chariot of fire. I believe different barren women gave birth to Isaac, to Samuel, to John the Baptist, a a thing that's not supposed to be able to happen happened not once, but three times. I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. I believe Jesus died publicly by crucifixion at the hands of skilled killers, but that nevertheless, on the third day, he rose again, and that he now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. These are all things I believe. I believe all creation was made from nothing by the word of God's power and in the space of six days and very good. I, I believe that even though I'm going to die physically, and if the Lord doesn't intervene by returning sooner, I will nevertheless rise again and be received by my Savior because my resurrection, the Bible tells me, is just as sure as His resurrection. It's bound up in His resurrection. I believe a great number of miraculous and challenging things to be true. I believe them because God's Word says them, and the Word of God never fails. Uh, I say all of this simply to say that I have no problem in principle with God doing miraculous things. I have no problem with that. If I was convinced that the, shall we call it, the straightforward reading of Hebrews 7 was the intent of the author of the book of Hebrews, the intent of the author, the Holy Spirit, and what they were trying to communicate— I would be very fine with accepting that. I have no problem with it. The problem isn't that a mother and fatherless Melchizedek is too fantastic of a claim for me. The problem is that I don't think that's what Hebrews is trying to tell us. And it's very important. We must be sure that we believe what the Word of God is actually teaching us rather than us believing a misunderstanding of what he's teaching us. That's really important. And in fact, it's so important, Jesus really makes this point himself in Mark chapter 8. You can read it for yourself, verses 14 through 21. The disciples hear Jesus' is teaching, and he uses the word leaven, and he tells them to beware of it. And they assume because of that, that he must be talking about literal leaven, the type of leaven that's found to make bread rise. But Jesus didn't mean literal leaven. He didn't mean literal leaven. Uh, yeast, but instead he was using the word leaven as figurative language, a language that helps to draw a picture, helps to illustrate something, and he wanted them to be able to see a deeper meaning. And in fact, he rebukes them for not understanding he wasn't talking literally about the bread. And it is possible for us to make the same mistake. So we have to be really careful to understand what it is that we're reading or what it is that we're hearing when we read or we hear God's Word. And I just don't believe that Hebrews 7.3 is telling us that Melchizedek did not have parents. I don't think that's what it's saying. The first clue that we're not dealing with literal language, you know, the straightforward language there, is the, the term used here, which is resembling that he resembles Melchizedek, or Melchizedek resembles him, suggests a comparison. There's no question about that, but it's not a literal one. You could take another passage which uses a form of the same term. Matthew 13, 24 says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. That word translated compared is the same basic word resembled that we find in Hebrews 7. It's not saying the kingdom of heaven is a man who sowed good seed in the field, but that the kingdom of heaven is like it in some way. That's why it uses that term compared to. Uh, Same thing in Acts chapter 14 verse 11. There it says some people saw Paul and they thought he was a God who resembled a man. They did not say he Is a man, but that he resembles one in some way. Now, they were wrong, but that's what they thought. They were making a comparison based on forms, but it wasn't a literal comparison, it was figurative language. And the word resembles clearly indicates some type of figurative comparison. Now, if the author of Hebrews is literally saying that Melchizedek has no parents, one of the reasons that I rejected is because that reading would actually create bigger problems because Jesus absolutely did have parents. He had a heavenly father, which he attests to regularly and emphatically. He had Mary and Joseph as earthly parents. We have a record of the Gospels that detail who his mother and who his father were, talks about them being spoken to, and so forth. Galatians 4.4 4 tells us that an important aspect of our redemption is that Jesus was born of a woman. Now, what's more, Jesus had a genealogy as well. You may remember the beginning of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, and in the early part of Luke, Luke chapter 3, They detail Jesus' genealogy. So we can't say Melchizedek literally had no parents and no genealogy, and so he's just like Jesus, because Jesus had both of those things. And in fact, the Bible attests to both of those things. The passage simply isn't saying that either Melchizedek or Jesus had no parents, because Jesus clearly had parents. That can't be what is being compared. Now, if you want to insist that Melchizedek didn't have parents despite the biblical evidence, you have to ask yourself what that means about Melchizedek. If he didn't have parents, where did he come from? Now, some people think he was an angel. Now, angels don't have parents as we understand them, and, and no parents means no genealogy But the problem with that is that an angel can't be a priest. Hebrews 5.1 tells us that to act on behalf of men as a priest, you have to be chosen from men. This makes sense in that we are expressly told in Hebrews chapter 2 that it is not angels that Christ helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 tells us. The priesthood is a mediatorial office. It means an office that goes between two parties, in this case between God and man. And to hold that office on behalf of humans, you must be human. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. Melchizedek had to be a human in order to be a priest, and of course angels are not humans. Now, others believe that Melchizedek was a Christophany. I know that's a a word we don't throw around a lot, but a Christophany is just an appearance of Christ to human beings in a form that they can see and recognize, but it is not the Incarnation. And what I might mean by that is that Jesus only came in the flesh as a human one time, and that was at his virgin birth in Bethlehem. Jesus does appear a number of times in the Bible before the incarnation, but while he appears as a man, he did not take on the nature of humans until his incarnation. If he had, there would have been no reason to look forward to the incarnation as the Old Testament scriptures clearly suggest. Nor would Hebrews 10.5 tell us that Jesus had only one body. Every time he had a Christophany, if it was an incarnation, that is, if he was a human, he would have had a body each and every time. He would have had to have numerous bodies throughout church history. So Christophanies are real in the scriptures, But they would not be examples of Jesus taking on the nature of humanity. So for the same reason we can rule out angels, we can also rule out the idea that Hebrews 7 is trying to tell us that it was a Christophany or an early appearance of Jesus, which was also a priest. Scripture says that to be a priest for humans, you have to be human. You have to have a human nature. To say Jesus was human before his incarnation, that is, before his birth in Bethlehem, is to deny the prophets and to deny the New Testament descriptions of the uniqueness of the incarnation, the birth of Christ in the Gospels. And there's another reason to reject the idea that Melchizedek is a Christophany. Remember that a Christophany is an appearance of Christ. It's Christ But if we read back what Hebrews says, we see that saying Melchizedek is Christ simply doesn't make any sense. Listen to this. If Melchizedek is Christ, Hebrews 7.17 would read something like this, Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Jesus. What a strange thing to say. Why would the author of Hebrews say that Christ is like Christ rather than saying Christ is Is the Christ. Paul certainly had no problem saying the rock in the wilderness is Christ. Why not tell us the Melchizedek is Christ rather than saying Jesus resembles Melchizedek in some ways? And if Melchizedek is already a priest and Christ, how can God promise later to make Christ a priest in the future? after Melchizedek's order. That's to say, if Christ is already the very priest mentioned, how could the Father promise to make him a priest in the future? It simply makes no sense. Reading Melchizedek as a Christophany makes Psalm 110 and Hebrews a tangled mess to understand, which is not how biblical interpretation should work. Things should be clearer, not more difficult. So what is the author of Hebrews saying if not that Melchizedek is parentless? To find the answer, one needs only to follow the argument of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews isn't about Melchizedek. I'm sure our listener knows that as well. It's about Christ. The author of Hebrews is revealing Christ to his readers. One of the main ways that he's doing that is through demonstrating Christ's superiority. The context of Hebrews 7 and the discussion of Melchizedek is the superiority of Christ's priesthood to the Levitical priesthood. Now, it may come as a surprise to you, but the priests who were the sons of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, was not the best priesthood. The Bible says very clearly that the order of Melchizedek was a superior order. The audience of the book of Hebrews would have been surprised, just like maybe you're surprised as well. Jesus was not a Levite. He was from the tribe of Judah, just as Hebrews 7 says. So how could he be a priest? Well, Levites were qualified to be a priest in part because of who their parents were. Genealogies were important to qualify the priesthood. We see this very, very clearly in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 64, where Nehemiah tells us that Levitical priests who couldn't prove their genealogy were removed from the priesthood. That's how important it was. But Melchizedek was a priest of the most high God, not by virtue of his bodily descent, as it says in Hebrews 7 16, but by his life. God made him a priest just as God promised to make the Son a priest as well. Christ was not made a high priest because of his parents, but because of his life. His genealogy points to his kingship, but the promises of Psalm 110 point to a king and a priest just like Melchizedek was. Now Melchizedek was a human. He had a real kingship over a real city of people, He produced real bread and wine for worship. He received real tithe on behalf of God. He led Abraham in real worship of God. And in this, he was a shadow of Christ. Christ is the reality. He looked like Christ in many ways. And it's precisely those ways that the author of Hebrews is punting us towards. Allow me to summarize. Priests must be humans. Melchizedek was a priest so he must be a human. Angels aren't humans. Christophanes aren't human. Humans have parents. Even Jesus had parents. But neither Jesus nor Melchizedek were priests because of their parents. They were priests because they were made so by God in response to their lives. We thank God that our great high priest, Jesus Christ, is like us in every way, yet without sin. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Thanks be to God. You've been listening to the Vice Chancellor's Hour, a ministry of Radio ABC 993-FM on the campus of African Bible University. We hope this has been beneficial to your Christian walk and understanding. If it has, you can support the ministry of Radio ABC by going to AfricanBibleColleges.com and clicking on the Donate button. Don't forget to let them know it's going to the Uganda station. If you have questions about this or any other episode, please feel free to contact us at vcourofficial@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We're also available through Instagram and Twitter as VC Hour Official. We may answer your question on a future episode. Until next time, may the peace of God and the fellowship of God's people encourage your heart.